We teased our interview, which will be coming up in just a moment here with Nick Roush, Kentucky Sports Radio. Always love having Nick on the show. Very entertaining guy who doesn't hold anything back here. But before we get to his interview, do want to make this announcement. So I had him on Monday, early afternoon. Since that time, Will Levis has announced he is coming back for next season. That's a huge boost to Kentucky and their offense in year two under Liam Cohen. Year two, Will Levis. Uh, you know he's going to have to take it, his game to another level if Kentucky is going to potentially win another 10 games next season. It's got to cut back on the turnovers, but you know that's typically what happens in year two. You get better in the system. You get better with the players around you. Now, will Wandell Robinson? We don't probably he's not going to be around. Josh Ali's off to the NFL. Chris Rodriguez undecided at this point, but. That's why it's going to be on Will Levis's shoulder to improve his stock and step up and be, you know, the driving force of that offense. And at the end of the day, you look at what Kentucky had before Will Levis, it was a borderline travesty at the quarterback position. So he's added some stability. Now it's time for him to take his game up to the next level. And maybe we'll start to see that a little bit here in the bowl game against Iowa. And, and speaking of that game real quick, Josh Ali, Isaiah Ipps, not be playing in the Citrus Bowl against Iowa. They were in a car accident. It's not uh, life-threatening or anything, but just not going to be able to play. Liam, Liam Cohen announced that here on Monday, so that's a bummer for Kentucky fans. But the good news is Mark Stoops and company just signed the number four recruiting class in the SEC, and Nick Roush of Kentucky Sports Radio joined the show to break that all down. Hey, well, we're pleased to once again be joined by Nick Roush. does an outstanding job for Kentucky Sports Radio, and he's a host of my favorite Kentucky sports podcast, the 11 Personnel Podcast. Give him a follow, at KSR. Nick, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Well, happy to be here. Happy to have a fan of 11 Personnel on the show. Even if you're lying, you're a very good liar. Um, <laughs> no, but, I listen uh, to you and Luckett all the time, man, I swear. Well, I, I appreciate it. It's a little hectic this time of the year, but it's fun to get on here and, and talk a little ball with you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the reason I wanted to have you on, Kentucky just had a historic signing class, probably the best class ever in program history, top four in the SEC. Did you ever think you'd uh, live to see Kentucky finish top four in the, in the recruiting rankings? Uh, no. And, and that was also <laughs> – before really getting to know how the rankings work, and you know, especially when you're used to basketball, it only takes like a player or two to really kick things up a notch. Mm -hmm. But in football, you really do have to have a 20-person signing class with more than half of your guys four-star better. And Kentucky mm -hmm. did that. I, I mean, we were we were recording a signing day special kind of podcast. It took to like 45 minutes in before we got to Barry and Brown, a five-star guy on, on three, like that, that's kind of where we are. I, I never anticipated this day would happen, but the landscape has changed a lot. Uh, Kentucky success plus uh, the way that nil works now, like just recruiting is completely different. And Mark Stoops, he is taking advantage of, of kind of every change along the way. And he's benefited from kind of the talent pool in Kentucky improving. So to, to the, the cats are in elite company now and that's that's how you you don't win games on signing day but you do two three years down the road and kentucky's really starting to stack some solid classes together to to raise the floor of the football program 
Now, how much stress did uh, five-star Kenyatta Goodwin put on Kentucky's coaching staff and, more importantly, on the, the crew over there at Kentucky Sports Radio? Well, so Keontae, his gym, Aspirations Gym, is a stone's throw from my house. It's only about a mile and a half away in Louisville. And so I, I, I spend a good amount of time there. I've known Keontae for a long time because he's been a recruit for seemingly forever. And part of me never really worried too much in that I thought that Vince Merrow had established a long enough relationship to, to kind of weather whatever storm. But mm-hmm. – this was our introduction to big boy recruiting where <laughs> on signing day, you know, you might have two announcements. You might have a uh, flip it and flop it. And just, it's, it's a wild, wild ride. And you just got to hold on for dear life. And, and that's what Kentucky did. Um, you rarely have guys like Goodwin that are six foot eight, 325 pounds that grow up right down the road. And that was the case. I mean, he's a top 20 guy by all standards. Now, he needs to have a lot of uh, – he, he lacks some football experience. Uh, but, man, he is – he's an uber talent at a position that – you know, Kentucky's got a good reputation on the offensive line, and they, they're they losing some of those guys. Darian Kennard, consensus All-American. He's going out the door. You had to get Goodwin to maintain that identity, that culture of the big blue wall inside the Kentucky football program. Now, this may be a tough question to answer, but if you could – pinpoint maybe one or two maybe even three things that uh, really needed to take place for Kentucky to have such a historic uh, signing class what what were the the keys you think is is it st- there's just the stability of Mark Stoops and his program you know they had a uh, they were top 10 at one point this season was how did this all come about in your mind well, some of it is kind of what I alluded to earlier, where you're stacking classes up on top of one another, and you, you, you've you established yourself to a certain degree. So in Kentucky's case, they, they've established themselves as a premier place to develop trench football players. Dion Walker from Detroit, a lot of people thought when Steve Klingscale, Kentucky's primary recruit in the area, a lot of people thought when he went to Michigan, they would lose out on that guy. It wasn't necessarily the one guy, but Kentucky had – three noses from that area who have done well. Quentin Bohanna drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. He's playing now. Marquand McCall, he's going to get drafted in the next go around. And then Justin Rogers, he hasn't started a single game for Kentucky and he's already got billboards in Lexington. So mm-hmm. some of that one, I think the, the biggest part is you've established a culture uh, where certain guys can see themselves being successful. Guys like Grant Bingham, who are four-star uh, recruits, uh, you know, from Eastern Kentucky, who's going to be a great offensive guard on the big blue wall in the future. I think the second part was what a lot of folks needed to see last offseason, and that was hiring Liam Cohen and then immediately uh, get, producing results with a well-levis at quarterback. Kentucky needed to get better in the passing game, and you get better by signing guys on signing day. They don't get Barry and Brown out of Nashville Pro Cohen High School without Liam Cohen's offense. Dane Key, who, you know, you look at him on paper, he's a four-star, top 250 guy. You say, oh, well, you know, he's a legacy recruit. South Carolina was pushing hard, but he was always going to end up in Kentucky. That's not necessarily the case. If if, if Liam Cohen's off doesn't come in and revitalize Kentucky's offense, that doesn't happen. And he's a guy, like, even with Wondell Robinson this year, Kentucky needs a back-shoulder fade receiver. Like, that's just – Teams are going to force you to make plays with your outside receivers. 
Dane Key is the kind of guy that can do that. So I, I think those are the two biggest things is you've already got yourself well-established in certain areas, but you needed to make that push by, by changing your offense and then having a quarterback that is not just a one-year splash. He, he's, he hasn't made it official, but he's going to come back for another season, and that gives you hope that, oh, well, I can catch passes from this guy next year. We can have a really, really talented team in the future. So, um, And then uh, I'll, I'll throw in one more third piece, keeping Brad White. <laughs> Brad White's not necessarily known for his recruiting prowess, but Kentucky needed some edge guys. He is their outside linebackers coach. Uh, he's the guy who helped Josh Allen become the seventh overall pick, and he's a real technician uh, when it comes to that spot. Uh, they did well recruiting that guy, or recruiting with him. He got uh, Tyree Sphere from Pitt, who is a top 200 guy. They got a kid from Delaware who's pretty good. I don't know how many kids have ever been from Delaware that go to Kentucky. But White was able to make that happen, and it was three days before signing day. There's reports coming out like, well, he's in Baton Rouge. He might stay. But, no, Brad didn't turn down Brian Kelly to stay at Kentucky, and I, I think that was a nice way to put the finishing touches on a, a really good class. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Brad White because I was going to ask you about him and kind of tie that into Mark Stoops where, you, you know, you see reports, you see, you know, LSU's interested, Florida's interested, um, you know, the, this is where Kentucky's at. You have success on the field, people are going to come after your coaches. But what does it say about Kentucky that uh, both these coaches decided to stay, keep building the program, and and you're like you said, you're stacking recruiting class on recruiting class. I mean, it's it's kind of a joke to to say Kentucky's a basketball school now, and it it's not been that way for several years. So I don't know. Just I guess state of the state of the program. How great is it now that uh, Kentucky's a, a legit SEC program? I uh, I did kind of let out a sigh of relief whenever I learned that Stoops was staying because, man, ever since we started 11 Personnel, maybe two years ago, and, you know, I've been doing plenty of Kentucky Sports Radio podcasts through the years, but this always felt like the big offseason for Stoops in that timing is everything in college football. And in Stoops's case, you know, he's getting a little bit older. Uh, and you could make the Brian Kelly argument that, well, has he reached his ceiling at UK? Is nine wins, is that all you can do? And you could see where one of these big jobs, I mean, the coaching carousel was absolute, absolute banana land. This, the, 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 all of the conditions on the outside were ripe for him to go elsewhere. But instead, he got reassurances from the athletic department, from the university that they could, they could invest enough to keep up with the Joneses because that's, I mean, it's, it's an arms race in this league mm -hmm. and he's proven that he can get the guys in there as long as he has the right resources. So not only did he get a contract extension, but I think the bigger thing is, is he was able to get an increase in his assistant pool salary, his assistant coaching salary pool. Um, so like white, the number we heard was 2 million. They were going to offer at LSU. He's not going to be making that at Kentucky. But he's going to be a million, 1.2 million a year kind of coordinator. Uh, I expect Liam Cohen to get a raise. And then Kentucky lost John Summerall to Troy. He was, hell, he helped recruit even after he left Troy. Uh, they got a guy from South Georgia, defensive lineman, Quintel Jones, and then flipped a two way guy that I'm really high on, Jacoby Albert from Auburn, who could play safety receiver. So you lost a, a valuable part of your staff. But with this increase in, in in assistant coaches' salaries, you can still go out and spend you know six seven hundred thousand dollars on 
uh, a guy to come in and fill that void. So it, it's it's Kentucky is in a great spot. The you know the the more I've been doing this, the more I get a feel on what you need to be successful. I mean, Kentucky, man, they're they're checking a lot of the right boxes, and, and I think the next big one that he needs to check off is you need to get uh, some sort of generational type talent quarterback from the state of Kentucky. That's the one thing he hasn't been able to do is to get a passer from the state. He's been able to get some success in the transfer portal. The, I think the last piece, the, the kind of old Mr. Sugar Bowl, you know, historic kind of season. I think that has to be getting one of these talented passers from the state to stay at home and, and, and make some more history. Uh, even bigger part two SEC, Mike. This time next year, Mark Stoops is going to have more wins than Bear Bryant in Kentucky, winningest coach in UK football history. That's pretty crazy to say uh, 10 years down the road, but he's going to be the longest tenured, greatest coach. We're in the golden years of Kentucky football. <laughs> and uh, man, I, I know me along with everybody else in the Big Blue Nation just is over the moon right now, overjoyed by what's happening in Lexington. Well, if I may poke you just a, a moment there, of course, Tennessee beat Kentucky on the field this season, but Mark Stoops signed as many Tennessee natives uh, in one family as Josh Heupel was able to do in the entire recruiting class. So ah. I wanted to ask you about Kentucky coming down there and getting the Wade twins and, you know, just planting that flag in the state of Tennessee. And this is not the first time they've done it now. This no. is several several classes in a row. How big is uh, coming down into to Tennessee, and in particular where I live, the mid-state area, the Nashville yeah. area, making their presence known. How how valuable is that going to be for Mark Stoops and company? You know, they're, they're never going to say it publicly, but it is significant. It is important uh, because that that's the thing of all – like if you look at the last five years, Kentucky's had a better record by Tennessee, and it's not even really close, but they've only got two wins to show for it, you know, and, and that's – that's the part that really stings. So where do you try to cut them back? You, you get them in recruiting. And um, they haven't won them all. They've won some. Uh, they were able to keep Octavius Oxendine a few classes ago. They lost on Tyler mm -hmm. Barron. But they also got Trayvon Ribka, who they're really high on next year. Getting the Wade twins, especially early, uh, this was – they committed, I want to say in the spring, maybe it was like April or May. Yeah. And that was early. And Hypo was really making a push. Uh, but even in spite of losing, I mentioned Clinkscale earlier. Clinkscale was the kind of mid-Tennessee area, but Cohen came in, Scott Woodward, his buddy from their UMass days, they were roommates uh, together at UMass. He's the receivers coach now. And those guys went into Tennessee and made sure that they were able to get the Wades and get Brown. And where Brown really jumps off the page to you from an athletic standpoint and just a, you know, here's speed we can't coach, the Wades have a – uh, there's there's a certain intangible about them where you just feel like they're going to be successful. Like there's just a way that they go about their business that I think really fits the culture of the Kentucky football program. And in Destin, he was a quarterback that set a ton of records with his legs. Um, and that's why a lot of folks believe he'll end up moving to like an H-back or tight end or something like that. I don't know what his future holds offensively, but I know that he's going to make an impact somehow. And Keaton Wade is kind of the opposite, where instead of being real raw, he's a very polished edge prospect. And that's, that's a tough position to learn because they ask so much of you in a 3-4 defense. 
but I do think that he can, can come in, he can contribute some as a true freshman. And I, I'm just, I, re- I really like what they're bringing to the table. It's not necessarily the same thing as the Pouncy Twins at Florida back in the, the late 2000s, but I do think those guys are going to be leaders for this football program for the foreseeable future. Now, if you if there's one or two guys maybe that you think in this signing class that are going to have the biggest impact for Kentucky on the field next season, do, do any names stand out to you? That that will make the impact or will not? Will, will immediately. Will. So Goodwin is one of those that I think is a guy that will play, probably not like day one starter. Uh, you know, Darian Kennard got thrown around a lot from because – he came in and rotated in a ton as a true freshman. And, you know, he, he was kind of trading off. Role. I, I could see that being a similar role where he's not a full-time starter, but he's going to pay a good amount and then become a full-time guy because he does have all of the physical tools. He just needs the uh, – he, he just needs football snaps. You know, he, he hasn't played a ton of football. A lot of his recruiting rankings based on what he can do in a gym and not necessarily – what he's put on tape. So he needs to get a lot of reps, but I ultimately think he's going to be doing stuff next fall. Uh, I, I mentioned Wade earlier, but Kobe Albert, man, this kid, he's one of the few guys where you watch their tape and you notice his vertical leap. Like that, that's just not something you normally say, but his, his athleticism is impressive. They're thin at safety. And I think if he comes in and plays, I, he, he can be an early, early impact guy as a safety. And in addition to that, Barry and Brown, He's not polished either, but you don't need to be polished to run Jeff sweeps. You know, you, you right. just just got to be faster. Uh, those three are probably the ones that I think are most likely. Now, uh, I know there's still a few uh, lines cast out there. They're waiting to see if somebody will take the bait. Davison and Boonison, oh, I believe it's going to be either Ole Miss or Kentucky. He's announced at the All-American Bowl. Maybe he could also be an impact safety. And um, there's another edge that's currently committed to Iowa state who's signing in February or Mason Thomas from Fort Lauderdale. Maybe he's another guy that could, could come in. Cause they're, they're, they're going to need some outside linebackers to come in and play. And um, so I, I think either of those guys also has a shot as well. Now, this is a hell of a class by Kentucky, no doubt, but there's always needs that uh, have yet to be filled. Maybe it's outside linebacker, like you're saying, but that's what I wanted to ask you. Is there a position group or two that, uh, you really expect Kentucky to to really attack with the national signing day in February or the transfer portal before the spring practice begins? Yeah, the um, they lost out on one of their guys. Um, it was Kentucky versus Michigan State for Chris Bogle, the Florida transfer at Edge. And you could make an argument that Kentucky and Michigan State were probably the best transfer portal schools in the country last year, as far as having success with guys who were at other schools the year prior. So mm-hmm. I think Kentucky is going to hit the portal hard for corners. Uh, they need at least one more corner, particularly on the boundary. They, they've recruited a, a Juco guys off Frazier, but you know, you just Juco, you, you don't know until you know. So mm-hmm. I expect them to get another corner from the portal, maybe another receiver as well. And, uh, Maybe an offensive tackle, too, might try that. Some of it's going to depend. You still have to wait on decisions from who's going to stay, who's going to go. The thing that's nice about the Portal 2, Mike, is it's never any. Kentucky did not expect <laughs> to get Dare Rosenthal, and that that came about in, like, June. And then right. he starts every game for him at left tackle. So uh, 
the portal, we're still in a, you know, wild, wild west of sorts trying to figure out and pin this all down. Um, I know a lot of Kentucky fans wanted Eli Ricks uh, because of the success of Kelvin Joseph and getting the LSU guys. But, you know, Alabama, that rich is going to get richer. But there's Mm -hmm. surely some other guys out there. The one that uh, is definitely a wishful thinking, too, is another LSU guy, Kayshawn Butte. I've heard some Alabama whispers for him. Uh, Man, Brian Kelly – Dude, if you're going to do any recruiting at all this year, go dance with him. Like that guy, you've got that guy is so good. That guy is so good. Any wherever he's playing next year, he's going to be maybe the best player on the team. So, uh, the transfer portal, it's wild stuff, but you know what? It keeps us busy year round. That's what I like about it. Yeah, no doubt. A fantastic Brian Kelly dance reference. But hey, last question for you, Nick. I really appreciate all your time. You know, they throw all this at us the coaching carousel, the recruiting. We still got a bowl game here. So we got a bowl game coming up right around the corner. Kentucky versus Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. Iowa, I think, is a top 15 team. Uh, What are your, how do you like the odds of Kentucky to to get win number 10, which would give Mark Stoops a two year contract decision? Man, he's got the best contract in college football. (laughs) No doubt. No wonder he stayed in Lexington. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really, I love the matchup because it's, they play the style of football Kentucky wants to play. Some mm-hmm. might call it boring. I just call it a good old fashioned slobber knocker. And really, it, this it's it's very basic, dumb analysis. But if Kentucky doesn't turn the ball over, they win this game by a ton, and they run away with it because Iowa's offense is inept. Um, their thousand yard running back opted out of the bowl game. Uh, they're not going to be able to score points unless they do it with defensive touchdowns. It's if you had any fun the day after Thanksgiving the Nebraska-Iowa game was just a calamity. I mean, you had a punt return <laughs> touchdown for Iowa. I mean, it was hilarious watching that game unfold. But that's how, that's what Iowa does. They, they wait for you to make mistakes, and then they take advantage of them. They're very opportunistic. Um, but Kentucky, you know, knock on wood, they've taken care of the balls of late, and they've really – I know the opponents weren't of the same caliber in the month of November, but I want to say they were averaging – you know, like 450 yards of offense and 38 points in those last four games. You know, it's obviously a different level of opponent, but mm-hmm. the way the offense has been clicking, the dynamic athletes, like Iowa isn't used to going up against Wandale Robinson, even though they right. did like a year or two ago. Will Levis, this game's kind of personal for him. This was his first career start, but most importantly, a lot of these games come down to will, to want to. Um, I know people don't like to talk about that and lead up to bowl games, but like, Throughout Mark Stoops' tenure, he's carried a lot of baggage on the players' behalf. Whenever they would talk about Florida streaks and Tennessee streaks, he would stand up for them and say, hey, my guys don't deserve to carry that burden. I'll do it. They put it all on me. You know, Mm -hmm. they haven't lost 30 games in a row. They might have lost two or three, but they haven't lost those games in a row. He's really took a lot to get them to this point and now going up against his alma mater. And then – the Iowa, Iowa football means a lot to the Stoops family. There was 14 years where at least one Stoops was on that campus, either playing or coaching from 78, 79, all the way to the early 90s. This football game means a lot to them. Uh, their dad was buried with Mark's jersey and Bob's Rose Bowl ring in his casket. This game is going to be a, a emotional for Mark Stoops. And these players, they really want to go out and get a win for him. And, and I think ultimately – all things equal, that that's going to do more than enough to get Kentucky a, a victory down in the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. 
All right, he's Nick Roush. Give him a follow at Roush KSR Kentucky Sports Radio. And don't forget, check out the 11 Personnel Podcast he does with Adam Luckett. Terrific stuff. As always, Nick, I really appreciate you joining the show. Hey, thanks, SEC, Mike. Go Cats. All right, so just want to say thanks again to Nick for joining the show. Really appreciate it. I know them Kentucky fans that uh, I know the Kentucky fans that tune in for the show will love that one. Hey, it's a great time to be a Kentucky Wildcat. It's stability up there. It's stacking class after class. Each one gets better than the last. And hey, Kentucky, I said all the show, it ain't just a basketball school anymore. And if you're still thinking that, I can't help you at this point.